This is episode 22 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I have Lexi Stratman on to talk about birth choices and how mamas might prepare for a positive birth experience. Lexi is a natural childbirth educator, a mama of five kids, and a wise friend that has personally encouraged me through my last two pregnancies. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Today, I want to introduce you to a special activity to do with your kids. Big and Little Coloring Devotional is a book that provides a creative outlet through coloring to diffuse stress while engaging intentionally with your children. Just five minutes of use, you will discover why this is so much more than a coloring book. It incorporates physical, spiritual, and emotional refreshment for you and your child by providing authentic, faith-filled devotionals combined with therapeutic doodling. My favorite part? It was created by two mamas, Rachel Swanson and Jackie Coral. They were overwhelmed by the demands of parenting and created this book to nurture their spirits and connect with their children. It releases October 1st, and you can order your own copy at BigAndLittleColoringDevotional.com or wherever books are sold. Hi friends, I'm so glad to welcome you for a special episode talking about pregnancy and birth to go along with the new mom series we've been running on the Kindred Mom blog. I'll jump into the interview with my friend Lexi in just a minute, but I wanted to say on the front end of this show that talking about birth, health choices, or anything that is this highly personal in nature is really vulnerable and tricky, and I wanted to say up front that I acknowledge every person has a different experience and viewpoint, and this episode is not intended to promote any specific pregnancy or birth choices, but is instead intended to help us um, become curious about our healthcare choices and ask questions of our care teams, um, looking to understand what we can do to make healthy choices that are proactively thinking towards having a positive birth experience. So this is a completely judgment-free zone, and we just want you to know that we support you, mamas, whatever you have decided for your own birth journey. Um, I just think this is a really valuable conversation. With that said, let's jump in. Well, today I have with me Lexi Stratman. Lexi, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Emily. I'm so glad to have you on to talk about some pregnancy and birth topics today. I'd love for you to begin by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and a little bit about your background with this topic. Okay. Well, um, my husband and I have been married for um, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got um, five uh, lovely uh, kids. Um, they are a joy, and it's a full house, <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes messy and crazy, but um, but we really do like it that way. Our oldest is 12, mm-hmm. and um, our youngest just turned three when we um, were pregnant with our first. Um, I kind of just knew what I didn't want and we went from there Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and, um, and we ended up having all five of our kids at home and have had all of them by the grace of God, had them naturally at home. Mm-hmm. So I know that you have a background 
also in childbirth education. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, we took natural childbirth classes. Like I said, I knew what I, I didn't want, Mm -hmm. um, and went from there. And so the journey became, okay, so I don't want to have medical intervention if I don't have to. Um, and so I started looking into natural childbirth. And so we had a friend already who taught Bradley, the Bradley method, mm-hmm. and we took her classes and they were very helpful. I wasn't a gold star student. I wouldn't say when it came to doing all the things right when I mm-hmm. had my, my first, that wasn't mm-hmm. what I was about, but I did realize that I had been empowered by those classes. Mm-hmm. And so I started my own journey of um, becoming a Bradley teacher um, that first year of motherhood. Do you have any um, remarkable moments from any one of your births that really stand out as um, something significant in the way that you were journeying through that birth experience or that changed your perspective after experiencing that birth? Yeah, actually, um, it was my third labor. I had been teaching a couple years by this time. And mm-hmm. as I laugh and allude to my gold star was not received because the Bradley method is all about relaxing. And I was not that I was not relaxed in labor with my first couple. Um, and then in the third labor, I realized that what was keeping me tense was that I was afraid. I was afraid of the next contraction. Mm-hmm. And I decided I would try to not be afraid. I would try to let go. And I literally, with that next contraction and choosing not to fear, um, the pain that I had been feeling, and I would call it pain, the contraction was painful, had been painful. It was just, I would, I would describe it more as, um, a tension in my belly and in my uterus, as opposed to the pain I had been experiencing. So that was remarkable to me to see, oh yeah, what I've been saying, what I've been teaching is really true. When you can relax and just receive those contractions, um, what you will experience is not only easier, but a lot freer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I experienced during labor. I don't know if I could ever say that I wasn't feeling pain during a contraction, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I did do um, some study of my body through my voice lessons when I was in high school and college. Um, I was studying with a teacher that um, has a very physical approach to learning how to best use our voices, which sounds really random, but it was such an important part of my journey before motherhood to be very aware of all of my muscles and how they were connected to each other, how they, I just had a, a very strong awareness of the spaces in my body and how things were supposed to move. And so when I got into my first labor, which ended up being a very precipitous labor, which I didn't know that was going to be my story at that time, um, because I've had six of them now. (laughs) So, um, you know, that first one, I all I could think of was that I had to work with the contractions and not brace myself against them. And I I don't know. I mean, I can't obviously, but I really think that there is something to the really giving 
myself to that contraction and into the pain instead of trying to stay away from it that helped my labor progress Um, and I know that that's not the case for every person but it was really interesting like kind of like what you're describing that the more I pressed in the better things went (laughs) really Mm -hmm. with what you have experienced um, and both from teaching and working with couples and the births that you've had yourself as an, as a mama, I am curious to know what you really want mamas to know as they're preparing for something that's going to change their lives. Number one is to learn to trust. And it, that starts with self. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a relationship with the Lord, with with God, with with Jesus, with the Word of God, um, I actually would start there. Mm-hmm. But then it then it's trusting you, mm-hmm. and it's trusting hopefully your partner, um, and then that trust can extend to your care team. And why I think that that has a bit of a hierarchy is so that you can really be in tune with this experience. And I mean that in so many ways. I mean that in the experience Mm -hmm. of being pregnant and the many choices that you have during pregnancy, being in tune with this life that's growing, um, that you get to be intimately connected with for the next nine to 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course, I mean that through labor, that that, the experience in itself is a trust experience, um, just like kind of how we were describing to even trust that pain, yeah, to, to, to trust pain even. Now, I didn't mention this before, but I know Lexi through a weekly homeschool co-op we do with our families, and she has seen me go through two of my six pregnancies. She's always attentive and kind through the tough stretches of pregnancy when I was huge and uncomfortable. She always asked me how I was doing and if I had anything on my mind. Every now and then I did, and we would talk about choices and alternatives and ways that I could partner with my healthcare team to navigate the pregnancy in a way that was right for me. Our conversations made me step back and really think about my health choices and how they're really mine to make, that those choices that I make do affect the kind of experience I will have. I love that she sparked my curiosity about options and alternatives, and from our conversations, I felt more empowered to play an active role in my own care together with my provider. Yeah, location and care provider will directly affect your birth experience. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned, for me, I started out with knowing what I didn't want. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's extremely valid. I actually think that that's really valid that if this is all new to you and, um, and it feels just really overwhelming to know where even to begin with your choices and what, what they might be, um, maybe just starting with, okay, I don't want this, even if it's like, I don't want my mother-in-law in the room when I give birth. <laughs> okay. Start there. Yes, that's <laughs> and I can start with those conversations with your, with your partner and, um, and go from there and realizing that, okay, so the location and my care provider will affect my experience. Mm-hmm. So what don't I want? In counseling, walking through, educating couples as they go about this process, are there um, ways that mamas can proactively be really preparing themselves, just even mentally and emotionally, um, for what's ahead for them? 
Yes. Um, I'd say yes. There's lots of things and then no, because nothing. <laughs> There's nothing like motherhood. There's nothing like labor. Um, it's, um, and I know you know, yes. um, you confirm that with me that, um, you know, no analogy or metaphor um, really explains it well enough. And, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> Moms that haven't had them yet, uh, haven't had this happen. But what I, what I can say the yes to is um, back to the trust factor. Mm-hmm. I think that around pregnancy and motherhood and birth, there's a lot of anxiety. There tends to be, mm-hmm. um, even in those of us who wouldn't call themselves very anxious. Um, there's a lot of worry and it's because it's so much unknown. And so I think practicing relaxation, meditation of whatever sort actually kind of centers you into a place of calm, mm-hmm. I think is very important. I think um, also good and open communication with your partner is very important and working through um, how you need to be supported by your partner. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully to, and this factor can be um, hard, um, but your community you have others in your community that you can um, turn to when you're feeling at a loss for um, for that calm and peace that I'm talking about. Yeah, this is a question that I think some women might run into if they're going along in their care and they maybe are not happy with the kind of care that they're receiving or the plan that they have made for their birth. And yeah you know, maybe they're getting to 35 or even 36 weeks and it's just not feeling like a safe space for them. I wanted to ask from your perspective and what you have seen with couples, how late is too late for someone to change their birth plans? Um, I really believe it's never too late. I know that that's really hard. Um, I've walked through with a few couples um, this exact scenario. They thought they had what they wanted, that they were tracking, so to speak, with their care team. And in some form or another, that care team essentially pulled their support. Um, And so that is scary. That is definitely, that's going to up the anxiety for sure, because you do feel like it's too late. And I would just say it's not, it is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes some of the best care providers are booked out. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, some of my favorite midwives are, are booked, um, (laughs) you know, from the get go, as you know, you, um, yours is one of them. Essentially. Right. She was so great that she's actually hard (laughs) to get into. Um, But just because maybe your favorite next choice isn't available or it seems daunting, I just it's that's not enough of a reason to stay put. Um, If you've got red flags, big or small going off, I would just I would just start the interview process again. Mm -hmm. Um, It might not even be that you have to switch hospitals or care places. It's Mm -hmm. maybe just another group, but it's definitely worth it if your um, inner peace is being shaken by what is being told to you and the support that you were being given is no longer there. Yeah, this kind of brings me to something that I feel really passionate about, and that is 
our need as mamas, both for ourselves and for our children once they're born, um, to really advocate for ourselves to be in tune enough with our needs that if a, a doctor or a place of care is not serving us the way that they should be, that we speak up about it. And I am, yes. I mean, I've had a number of experiences, um, not as much with birth care teams, but um, with pediatricians and some of the mm-hmm. other, you know, medical care that we've received that I've really had to get my courage up <laughs> to right. address things that I didn't think were going very well. And um, it really did take me um, a few kids in to realize that I did have a lot of power in the situation to influence how things were done. If you trust your care team, yes, go with what they say and recommend if you're not sure. But if you spend some time to really read up on some of these things for yourself and kind of decide um, the direction that you want to go, that it really is up to us to set the course that we want to take for our health care and our children's health care. Oh, I absolutely agree. We should be in the driver's seat. Yeah. And I know that that is an overwhelming thought for most of us. Yeah. And you're right. It usually comes from the experience and getting kind of up on that bike with training wheels on and just mm-hmm. starting to pedal out. Yeah. Um, and eventually you can take those training wheels off and you start to feel more confident. Um, but I just encourage just start, just start advocating. And a couple ways we can do that practically Mm -hmm. are one is to really understand what informed consent is. Mm -hmm. Um, That can mean, you know, having the handout or the printout that's in some medication that's being offered to you during pregnancy. Um, For example, the flu vaccine and DTaP being recommended to women who are pregnant, you want to have informed consent. And that means understanding what this is, what this, um, what is being offered to you. And then the next question is to ask, does the benefit outweigh the risk. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I chose a great um, example with Mm -hmm. um, a vaccine. (laughs) I know that that's a touchy one, I guess maybe because it's we're heading into flu season. I was just thinking of um, how that's being um, promoted. And here's the thing, like benefit risk with that option, informed consent would tell you that uh, flu vaccine and the DTaP have not been um, cleared by the, the CDC as a 100% safe for the mom and for the baby. Mm -hmm. So some of you might not be told that when you're being told to to just have these um, shots. You might be just told the risk of being sick while you're pregnant, as opposed to hearing both sides, the risk of of taking this medication. Um, So informed consent and benefit versus risk. To piggyback off of that a little bit, seeing informed consent as more than I consent to this care, but I understand the ramifications of both sides of this as possibilities that that the information part of the informed consent isn't just, Mm -hmm. you know, saying, yes, I'm on board. Um, And there are so many decisions that we make where we maybe can't know, like we don't go to medical school. We don't have, I mean, for the average person. Um, So there's plenty of things that medical professionals provide to us that we really do need. Um, But just seeing that, we can't just be blindly walking through every 
thing that we ex- experience, even things that seem like not a big deal, um, are things that we should just be really aware of before we decide that and be deliberate and choose intentionally things that are supporting the health that we want to have in our lives. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I think that's what I was thinking to, to say is, um, why it's intimidating to, you know, get up on that bike is because we didn't go to medical school, most of us, you know? (laughs) And so, um, you know, they are the experts. And so I don't, I don't downplay that, but I will just say this, you know, most, um, OBs, they're an expert in the abnormal. Um, and so they don't always see just what is a normal low risk pregnancy. So if you're a low risk pregnancy, self-education is going to be, um, one of the best ways for you to navigate through, um, the typical medical system. And you don't have to come with guns blazing and that they're all wrong because they're, they're not, um, to find this great balance of humility to go in and learn from them too. Um, but then like what you're saying is to say, um, and I can, I can learn too. Yeah. I can learn more about pregnancy, my body, um, the body in general and this growing life. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, I would love to wrap up pretty soon here, but I have one last question for you and okay. I would love to just know specifically thinking about women who may be expecting in the coming months or in the coming years, what advice or encouragement you would give to someone who is maybe having their first baby or their second baby and haven't necessarily had the kind of birth experience that they wanted. What encouragement would you give to them as they look ahead to that? I guess I'll, I'll start with the with the moms that have had a birth experience that they were disappointed over. I think one, I encourage you to look at that, even though it's hard, um, look at that and, and grieve to be really honest with, um, your disappointment and maybe the, even to use a strong word, but I know many women who've experienced trauma Mm -hmm. in birth. And so to grieve that, and there are many groups out there that um, do a great job at supporting each other as a community. Mm -hmm. So I'd encourage those moms to, to grieve and go through that grieving process to not downplay the hurt that they experience physically, mentally, or emotionally. Mm -hmm. Because when we do that, then, then we could potentially move on to the next birth and, um, see it as a, just a separate, a separate entity yeah. and to not have to expect it to repeat itself. A book I really appreciate that specifically has some, um, words around this is, um, birthing from within. Mm-hmm. There's many stories and thoughts about, um, working through past birth trauma, mm-hmm. um, or disappointments and then, um, working towards having a different experience the next time around. Mm-hmm. Um, for first time moms, <laughs> I, I don't feel like an old mom, but I do in some ways, like I, I like smile, I'm smiling and I mm-hmm. have a smile chuckle because I just look back and like see so much, like I have joy for you. Um, there's so much ahead and I'm, um, I just, I rejoice in what's ahead for you, but I also have a, 
just, I just want to tell you to breathe. I just want to mm-hmm. tell you to take deep breaths. Um, to remember that there's many that have gone before you and it's going to be okay. Um, I'm not meaning that in any type of trite, patchy on the head kind of way, but truly um, wish I had more moms that would had gone before me to say the same thing to me. It's going to be okay. Um, so keep trying to get in touch with that um, inner life and self and calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and follow peace. Lexi talked about trust being an important part of having a positive birth experience. I wanted to add a little to what she said about the hierarchy of trust she referenced, beginning with trusting God. This might sound cliche, but it really isn't. I have experienced supernatural peace from God in some of the most vulnerable times of my life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Fear and anxious thoughts are understandable in the midst of this journey, but they do not have to be the dominating voice. I love that these verses promise us peace, but I want to point out that they don't say that what is ahead will be easy. During my last two births, I experienced this peace. Both of those babies were born at home after my first four were born in the hospital. To say I was nervous about the first home birth would be an understatement. I was terrified. But I did find a deep sense of peace that defied explanation. I learned that God is worthy of my trust. Lexi also talked about learning to trust ourselves. I take this to mean that we should listen to our bodies to be aware of how we're feeling and what we're doing as we journey through pregnancy and birth process. We should be curious and informed about the things we choose and not only do what the experts say we should do, but the things that we know are the right choices for ourselves. I think we should seek understanding, solid information, and bring all these things together as we make decisions about our care. Communicating with and trusting our partners is also something she mentioned, and I think this is paramount. I did this ahead of my very first birth. I made my husband read all the books and practice coping techniques for labor. He was ready to do everything he could to support me, and ironically, once I was in deep labor for the first time, I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't want him to talk to me or rub my back or do anything to comfort me. I learned that for me, labor is somewhat of a solo event. I turn inward and close my eyes and focus on working through the contractions to birth my babies. That first time he was disappointed after that birth and it took a number of conversations for me to learn how I could communicate with him about the things he could do to support me during labor. And for him, he had to understand that giving me the space that I was looking for is really what I needed in that moment to get through the intense labor that I was experiencing. Lastly, I think it's so important that mothers are respected, listened to, and supported by their care teams. Sometimes there are delicate conversations and tough choices that need to be made that were maybe not the first choice, but if those don't happen in a supportive and respectful way, I would not hesitate to seek out other options. I have had a range of experiences myself, and I think it is unacceptable for women to have anything less than compassionate, respectful care from their doctors and midwives. I hope that this interview has been helpful for you, but before I go, I wanted to mention some exciting news. 
Last week on the podcast, I mentioned a quick resource guide that me and my team were putting together, and it is now available. We created an eight-page PDF with 52 ideas for moms in the trenches who might feel frustrated, overwhelmed, exhausted, anxious, or lonely in their journey. There are simple, practical ideas that would help you find purpose, rest, and peace in the midst of the mayhem of motherhood. You can get your copy by going to kindredmom.com bonus to subscribe to our email list, and then it will come to your inbox. If you don't see it in your inbox after subscribing, or if you are already on our list and haven't seen it yet, please check your junk, spam, or promotions folder, and it will likely be there. We hope that the guide encourages you. Take care and have a great week.